Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and this is a new releases episode, which means, of course, no guest. So you're stuck with just me, just you and me, just us in this room. How did we get in this room? Do you remember how we got in this room? Of course you don't remember. I made sure of that. But not to worry. I have so many plans for us. And by so many plans for us, I am going to be telling you about all of the exciting books coming out from now till the end of the year that should be on your radar because they are definitely on mine. So let's dive right in with the July releases, uh, starting off with Mary, An Awakening of Terror by Nat Cassidy. It says Nat Cassidy's highly commercial debut horror novel blends Midsummer with elements of American Psycho and a pinch of I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Mary is a quiet, middle-aged woman doing her best to blend into the background. Unremarkable invisible, unknown, even to herself. But lately, things have been changing inside Mary. Along with the hot flashes and body aches, she can't look in a mirror without passing out, and the voices in her head have been urging her to do unspeakable things. Fired from her job in New York, she moves back to her hometown, hoping to reconnect with her past and inner self. Instead, Visions of terrifying mutilated specters overwhelm her with increasing regularity, and she begins auto-writing strange thoughts and phrases. Mary discovers that these experiences are echoes of an infamous serial killer. Then the killings begin again. Mary's definitely going to find herself. This is coming out July 19th from Tor Nightfire, and I'm actually currently reading this one. I think I'm about 30-ish percent of the way through, and I am really enjoying it. It's a little on the slower side, a little bit more of a character study, at least at this point. There's definitely been, like, creepy things that have been introduced, and I mean, obviously, she's seeing these, like, awful visions everywhere. Um, But the way everyone's talking about it, it does sound like it's going to ramp up to something. And I am very excited for that. Also, always here for, you know, older protagonists. I feel like especially when it comes to female protagonists, they do always seem to be on the young side, kind of in the late teens, early to mid 20s. So it is a bit refreshing to read about a woman at this particular stage of life. And I don't know, a lot of colorful characters really liking the setting, just overall really enjoying it. That is Mary, an awakening of terror and also a plus cover art. Absolutely love it. If you haven't checked it out, please do. Next up, we have They Drown Our Daughters by Katrina Monroe. For fans of Jennifer McMahon and Sylvia Moreno-Garcia comes a haunting and atmospheric new novel from debut author Katrina Monroe. 
They say Cape Disappointment is haunted, but if you can hear the call of the water, it's already too late. Tourists used to flock to Cape Disappointment in droves to visit the rocky shoreline and the creaky old lighthouse, but the tourists are gone now. And when Meredith Strand returns to her childhood home on the eve of her divorce, young daughter in tow, the Cape seems more haunted by regret than any malevolent force. But her mother, suffering from Alzheimer's, is convinced the stories are real. Not only is there something in the water, but it's watching them, waiting for them, reaching out to Meredith's daughter the way it has to every woman in their line for generations, ready to reclaim what once was stolen. I think if you are into gothic stories and generational curses and looks like coastal settings, sounds like this is going to be right up your alley. I am definitely very intrigued. I would consider myself a fan of Sylvia Moreno Garcia and I do like Jennifer McMahon. So very interested to pick this one up. I need to know what is calling out to them. What does it want? What does it think was stolen? I need to know. So that'll be coming out July 12th. That is They Drown Our Daughters by Katrina Munro. I hope you're settling in and making yourself comfortable because we've only just begun. So you know what we should talk about? We should talk about What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher because this cover is stunning, just darkly beautiful. From the award-winning author of The Twisted Ones comes a gripping and atmospheric retelling of Poe's classic, The Fall of the House of Usher. When Alex Easton, a retired soldier, receives word that their childhood friend, Madeline Usher, is dying, they race to the ancestral home of the Ushers in the remote countryside of Ruritania. What they find there is a nightmare of fungal growths and possessed wildlife surrounding a dark, pulsing lake. Madeline sleepwalks and speaks in strange voices at night, and her brother Roderick is consumed with the mysterious malady of the nerves. Aided by redoubtable British mycologist and a baffled American doctor, Alex must unravel the secret of the House of Usher before it consumes them all. So a modern Edgar Allan Poe retelling of the fall of the House of Usher with mushrooms? Okay, color me intrigued. I, I need to check this out. This uh, is a book that has been on my radar, I want to say, since the beginning of the year, since it was announced. And what got me even more curious is that Mike Flanagan's new series that is coming out is also based on the fall of the House of Usher. So I think I might just want to just really immerse myself in Edgar Allan Poe stuff. So that might be the person that I am when that comes out. So that is What Moves the Dead by T. Kingfisher. That'll be coming out July 19th. 
Let's move on to Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey, coming out July 19th. Come home, Vera's mother called, and Vera obeyed. In spite of their long estrangement, in spite of the memories, she's come back to the home of a serial killer, back to face the love she had for her father and the bodies he buried there. Coming home is hard enough for Vera, and to make things worse, she and her mother aren't alone. A parasitic artist has moved into the guest house out back and is slowly stripping Vera's childhood for spare parts. He insists that he isn't the one leaving notes around the house in her father's handwriting, but who else could it possibly be? There are secrets yet undiscovered in the foundations of the notorious Crowder House. Vera must face them and find out for herself just how deep the rot goes. Yeah, I definitely need to read this. Also, I know I talk about covers all the time, but I love the cover for this. It's like a pale light pink and then it has a house and the house is blood red and then the bottom of the house uh, looks like it's turning into dripping blood doesn't that just sound amazing um, and I follow Sarah Gailey on Twitter and they posted an infographic with the cover and kind of like cool things that are in the story like tropes I guess but like serial killer's daughter house with the mind of its own, murderabilia, family secrets, something's moving under the bed, cryptic notes, hostile small town, and fraught mother-daughter relationship. And I mean, do you need more than that? Uh, So that is Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey that will be coming out July 19th. Next up is The Ghost That Ate Us by Daniel Krauss. You remember the brutal crime, don't you? Maybe you read about it on Twitter. Maybe a friend sent you a news clip. Maybe you saw it on an episode of Spectral Journeys that night you were flipping through channels, unable to sleep. Maybe after reading the true story, you won't ever sleep again. On June 1st, 2017, six people were killed at a Burger City franchise off I-80 near Johnny, Iowa. It was the bizarre and gruesome conclusion to nine months of alleged paranormal activity at the fast food joint, events popularly known as the Burger City Poltergeist. The story inspired Facebook memes, Twitter hashtags, BuzzFeed listicles, Saturday Night Live sketches, and more. But the case was never much more than a punchline, until best-selling writer Daniel Krause decided to head to Iowa to dig up what really happened. Presented here is the definitive story of the, quote, most exhaustively documented haunting in history, end quote, including, for the first time ever, interviews with every living survivor of the tragedy. The employees of Burger City were a family. They loved one another, at least at the beginning. But love can make you do unspeakable things. I love the sound of this, and this sounds really good if you were a fan 
of the kind of style of chasing the boogeyman, kind of like a fictional true crime type story. And the fact that this is like a paranormal true crime kind of meta fiction story sounds right up my alley. I am very excited to read this. It does have a longer subtitle that wasn't listed on Goodreads, but it is The Ghost That Ate Us, The Tragic Story of the Burger City Poltergeist by Daniel Krauss, and that'll be coming out July 12th. Moving into August with The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. Buried in debt due to his young daughter's illness, his marriage at the brink, Mario reluctantly takes a job as a hitman, surprising himself with his proclivity for violence. After tragedy destroys the life he knew, Mario agrees to take one final job, hijack a cartel's cash shipment before it reaches Mexico. Along with an old friend and a cartel insider named Juanca, Mario sets off on the near-suicidal mission, which will leave him either a cool $200,000 or a bullet in the skull. But the path to reward or ruin is never as straight as it seems. As the three complicated men travel through the endless landscape of Texas, across the border and back, their hidden motivations are laid bare alongside the nightmarish encounters that defy explanation. One thing is certain. Even if Mario makes it out alive, he won't return the same. The Devil Takes You Home is a panoramic odyssey for fans of S.A. Cosby's Southern Noir Blacktop Wasteland by way of the boundary-defying storytelling of Stephen Graham Jones and Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. After reading that synopsis, I do think the S.A. comparison is apt. And if you've read Gabino Iglesias' other work, you know he has this very unique kind of supernatural horror crime blend hybrid uh, of story that he likes to write. So I'm very interested to check this one out. I think also if you enjoyed Gangsterland by Todd Goldberg, it also seems kind of like something in that vein. I don't know. There's a lot I like about this. I kind of like the group that's put together and, you know, they're getting together to do the one last job, just the one last job, then you're out. And if you read books or watch movies uh, that do this, you know, the one last job, A, is like not the last job or it is not as easy as it seems. So that is The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias coming out August 2nd. Then we have Anybody Home by Michael J. Seidlinger. This is coming out from Clash Books. What came first, the home or the desire to invade? A seasoned invader with multiple home invasions under their belt recounts their dark victories while offering tutelage to a new generation of ambitious home invaders eager to make their mark on the annals of criminal history. From initial canvassing to home entry, the reader is complicit in every strangling and shattered window. The fear is inescapable. Examining the sanctuary of the home and one of the horror genre's most frightening tropes, Anybody Home? points the camera lens onto the quiet suburbs and its unsuspecting abodes, any of which are potential stages for an invader ambitious enough to make it the scene of the next big crime sensation. And who knows? Their performance might just make it to the silver screen. Okay, having read uh, Anybody Home, I can tell you that it 
absolutely freaked me out. Um, home Invasion is, I think, possibly the scariest subgenre in horror. And I don't know, the narrative choices in this, it's kind of this second person as this nameless invader is like teaching you how to do a home invasion and like how to scout everything out and how they get in. And you're also kind of watching one play out in real time. And it is brutal. And I think, I mean, a lot of the point of it is I think your complicitness in this act and the brutality and really having you sit with this violence. So again, know yourself and know what you can handle because uh, this one freaked me out. But it is, it's going to be one of my favorites of the year. I'll tell you that now. So that is Anybody Home by Michael J. Seidlinger. In coming August 23rd, we have Daphne by Josh Mallerman. Horror has a new name, Daphne. A brutal, enigmatic woman stalks a girls' high school basketball team in a total reimagining of the slasher genre. Daphne is much more than a female Jason, a female Freddy. Whatever you do, don't think about Daphne. Don't think about her at all. Mixing a fresh coming of age, a treatise on anxiety, and an instantly iconic female slasher, Daphne delivers a horrifying modern vision of classic horror. This is an unforgettable thriller, as only Josh Mallerman could imagine it. Ooh, a slasher. I am very interested. Also, basketball horror, possibly, question mark. Um, and it is true. We don't have, I think, an iconic female slasher horror villain like there have been slashers with female villains but I feel like that's usually a twist that's revealed at the end and when there are I feel like they just haven't reached the iconic status of say a Jason or a Freddy so it's about time so that is Daphne that'll be coming out August 23rd next up we have These Fleeting Shadows by Kate Alice Marshall the Haunting of Hill House meets Knives Out in a bid for an inheritance that will leave Helen Vaughn either rich or dead. Helen Vaughn doesn't know why she and her mother left their ancestral home at Harrowstone Hall, called Harrow, or why they haven't spoken to their extended family since. So when her grandfather dies, she's shocked to learn that he has left everything, the house, the grounds, and the money, to her. The inheritance comes with one condition. She must stay on the grounds of Harrow for one full year, or she'll be left with nothing. There is more at stake than money. For as long as she can remember, Harrow has haunted Helen's dreams, and now those dreams have become a waking nightmare. Helen knows that if she is going to survive the year, she needs to uncover the secrets of Harrow. Why is the house built like a labyrinth? What is digging the holes that appear in the woods each night? And why does the house itself seem to be making her sick? With each twisted revelation, Helen questions what she knows about Harrow, her family, and even herself. She no longer wonders if she wants to leave, but if she can. You know I love a good comp. You know that the minute I read uh, Haunting of Hill House meets Knives Out that I was bought in. So <laughs> needless to say, I will be checking this out. Um, 
it just sounds really good also why is the house built like a labyrinth and i think yeah you should have questions about holes that appear in the woods each night um so yeah i i need to know what's going on here and that is these fleeting shadows by kate alice marshall how about we talk about some more slashers specifically slasher sequels Yes, I am. I am talking about Clown in a Cornfield 2, Friendo Lives, coming out August 23rd. After barely making it out of the Kettle Springs cornfields alive, Quinn's first year of college back in Philadelphia should be safe and comparatively easy. All Quinn wants to do is forget what happened and be normal again. But instead... Quinn finds that her past won't leave her alone when she becomes the focus of a host of online conspiracy theories that claim to prove that the Kettle Springs Massacre never happened. It's a deranged but relentless fantasy, and there's nothing Quinn can do to get people to hear the truth, not even on her own campus or in her own dorm room. So, when a murderous clown attacks Quinn at a frat party while another goes after her father in Kettle Springs at the same time, Quinn realizes that the facts alone are never going to save her. Her only option is to go back home, back into the cornfields, back to where their nightmare began, to set the record straight the only way she knows how. Because when the truth gets lost in the lies, that's when real people start to die. I loved Clown in a Cornfield, and I was going to say that I was really excited to revisit Quinn and see her college years, but according to that synopsis, it does not seem like the college years are going well for her. Um, I am just really excited to visit this world again, and you know, there's nothing more slashery than a sequel, so cannot wait to dive in. I think that's coming out August 23rd. So be sure to check that out, especially if you enjoyed Clown in a Cornfield. You know what we should do next? I think we should get literary. Let's get literary with Reluctant Immortals by Gwendolyn Keist. Reluctant Immortals is a historical horror novel that looks at two men of classic literature, Dracula and Mr. Rochester and the two women who survived them, Bertha and Lucy, who are now undead immortals residing in Los Angeles in 1967. When Dracula and Rochester make a shocking return in the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco. Combining elements of historical and gothic fiction with a modern perspective in a tale of love and betrayal and coercion, Reluctant Immortals is the lyrical and harrowing journey of two women from classic literature as they bravely claim their own destiny in a man's world. I do like the cover for this. It is very 60s down to the font and like the psychedelic cover of it. Uh, this was a lot of fun. This was so readable, like one of those stories that you just fall into. Um, I know people are big plot readers, but honestly, I could have just read about Bertha and Lucy's adventures, not even adventures, just their day to day, just their vibing in Los Angeles uh, was so interesting. <laughs> I know they're like on a mission to stop Rochester and Dracula, but I honestly could have read about them just vibing, just being immortals, going to the drive-in. I really liked it. So that is Reluctant Immortals by Gwendolyn Keist. Next up, we have Number One Fan by Meg Ellison. This is coming out August 30th. She created a beautiful world. Now he wants it all. 
On her way to a speaking engagement, best-selling novelist Ellie Gray gets into a cab and accepts a drink from the driver, trusting that everything is fine. She wakes up chained in the stranger's basement. With no close family or friends expecting her to check in, Ellie knows she needs to save herself. She soon realizes that her abduction wasn't random, and though she thinks she might recognize her captor, she can't figure out what he wants. Her only clues are that he's very familiar with her books and deeply invested in the fantastical world she creates. What follows is a test of wills as Ellie pits herself against a man who believes she owes him everything and is determined to take it from her. Terrifying and timely, set against the backdrop of convention culture and the Me Too reckoning, number one fan unflinchingly examines the tension between creator and work fandom and source material, and the rage of fans who feel they own fiction. Well, this sounds very thrilling to say the least. I guess the easy comparison would be to say that it's a gender-swapped misery, but it does seem that with a modern context, it's exploring similar but different things, I guess, in this day and age. So that is Number One Fan by Meg Ellison, and that'll be coming out August 30th. And let's finish off August with Suburban Hell by Maureen Kilmer coming out August 30th. Bad Moms meets my best friend's exorcism in this light horror comedy about a group of women in the Chicago burbs whose cul-de-sac gets a new neighbor, a demon. Amy Foster considers herself lucky. After she left the city and went full minivan, she found her place quickly with neighbors Liz, Jess, and Melissa, together snarking the mom mafia from the outskirts of the PTA mom crowd. So one night during their monthly wine get-together, the newfound crew concoct a plan for a clubhouse she shed in Liz's backyard. The perfect space for just them. No spouses or kids allowed. But the night after they christen the space with a ceremonial drink, things start to feel off. What they didn't expect was for Liz's little home improvement project to release a demonic force that turns their quiet suburban enclave into something out of a nightmare. And that's before the homeowners association got wind of it. Just as Liz is turned into a creepy doll face overnight, cases of haunting activity around the neighborhood intensify, and even the calmest moms can't justify the strange burn marks, self-moving dolls, and horrible smells surrounding their possessed friend, Liz. Together, Amy, Jess, and Melissa must fight back the evil spirit to save Liz and the neighborhood before the suburbs go completely to hell. But at least they don't have to deal with the PTA, right? Uh, this sounds like an absolute blast, and I am going to need it right away. Thank you so much. That is Suburban Hell by Maureen Kilmer, coming out August 30th. And let's keep that energy as we head into September with Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogarth. A darkly funny domestic horror novel about a woman who must take drastic measures to save her husband and herself from the vengeful ghost of her mother-in-law. When Ralph and Abby Lamb move in with Ralph's mother, Laura, Abby hopes it's just what she and her mother-in-law finally need to connect. After a traumatic childhood, Abby is desperate for a mother figure, especially now that she and Ralph are trying to become parents themselves. Abby just has so much love to give to Ralph 
to Laura, and to Mrs. Bondi, her favorite resident at the long-term home care where she works. But Laura isn't interested in bonding with her daughter-in-law. She's venomous and cruel, especially to Abby. And life with her is hellish. When Laura takes her own life, her ghost haunts Abby and Ralph in very different ways. Ralph is plunged into depression, and Abby is terrorized by a force intent on destroying everything she loves. To make matters worse, Mrs. Bondi's daughter is threatening to move Mrs. Bondi from the home, leaving Abby totally alone. With everything on the line, Abby comes up with a chilling plan that will allow her to keep Mrs. Bondi, rescue Ralph from his tortured mind, and break Laura's hold on the family for good. All it requires is a little ingenuity, a lot of determination, and a unique recipe for Chicken a King. This sounds so fun, and another one with a great cover. If you haven't checked that out, definitely do so. I am liking this trend of horror comedies about domestic life. Uh, very interested in that. So that is Mother Thing by Ainsley Hogarth coming out in September. Next up is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. New York Times bestselling author Tiffany D. Jackson ramps up the horror and tackles America's history and legacy of racism in this suspenseful YA novel, following a biracial teenager as her Georgia high school hosts its first integrated prom. When Springville residents, at least the ones still alive, are questioned about what happened on prom night, they all have the same explanation. Maddie did it. An outcast at her small-town Georgia high school, Madison Washington has always been a teasing target for bullies. And she's dealt with it because she has more pressing problems to manage. Until the morning, a surprise rainstorm reveals her most closely kept secret. Maddie is biracial. She's been passing for white her entire life at the behest of her fanatical white father, Thomas Washington. After a viral bullying video pulls back the curtains on Springville High's racist roots, a student leader comes up with a plan to change their image. Host the school's first integrated prom as a show of unity. The popular white class president convinces her black superstar quarterback boyfriend to ask Maddie to be his date, leaving Maddie wondering if it's possible to have a normal life. But some of her classmates aren't done with her just yet. And what they don't know is, Maddie still has another secret. One that will cost them all their lives. I am so beyond excited for this one. I really liked White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. Um, If you couldn't tell by the synopsis, this is kind of a Carrie retelling slash inspired by Carrie. I have the review copy for this, and I was looking through the beginning and reading the author's note and found that uh, segregated proms were still a thing pretty recently. Like, I think I read that there was one that was um, integrated in like 2014, and she listed a few documentaries about it that I am definitely going to check out. But I am so beyond excited for this one. Also, the cover with Maddie covered in blood is perfect. And I, the obvious thing is to say it gives me Carrie vibes. But I mean, that's what it's going for. So that is The Weight of Blood by Tiffany D. Jackson. 
Next up, we have Full Immersion by Gemma Amor, coming out September 13th. When Magpie discovers her own dead body one misty morning in Bristol, it prompts her to uncover the truth of her untimely demise. Her investigations take her on a terrifying journey through multiple realities, experimental treatments, technological innovations, and half-memories in a race against time and sanity. Accompanied by a new friend who is both familiar and strange, and constantly on the run from the terrifying relentless presence of the mysterious predator known only as the Silhouette, Magpie must piece together parts of her life previously hidden. In doing so, she will discover the truth about her past, her potential, and her future. This sounds ridiculously trippy in the best way. I am very excited to read it. I absolutely loved Dear Laura by Gemma Amor, so I cannot wait to check this out. This is Full Immersion, coming out September 13th. Also coming out in September is No Gods for Drowning by Haley Piper. In the beginning, man was prey. Without the gods, they'll be prey again. The old gods have fled, and the monsters they had kept at bay for centuries now threaten to drown the city of Valentine, hunting mankind as in ancient times. In the midst of the chaos, a serial killer has begun ritually sacrificing victims, their bodies strewn throughout the city. Lilac Antinous wants to stop the impending destruction of her city by summoning her mother, a blood god, even if she has to slit a few throats to do it. But evading her lover Arcadia and her friends means... But evading her lover Arcadia and her friends means sneaking, lying, and even spilling the blood of people she loves. Alex and Cecil of Ace Investigations have been tasked with hunting down the killer, but as they close in, not knowing they're hunting their close friend Lilac, the detectives realize the gods may not have left willingly. As flooding drags the city of cars and neon screaming into the jaws of sea demons and Arcadia struggles to save the people as captain of the evacuation team, Lilac's ritual killings at last bear fruit only to reveal her as a small piece in a larger plan. The gods' protection cost far more than anyone has ever known, and Alex and Cecil are running out of time to discover the true culprit behind the gods' disappearance before an ancient divine murder plot destroys them all. Set in an alternate reality which updates mythology to near modern day, No Gods for Drowning is part hunt for serial killer, part noir detective story, and unlike anything you've ever read before. As you all know, Haley Piper, podcast favorite. I personally will try to read everything she writes. Um, this was pitched as like fantasy to me at first, which I was like, uh, maybe not this one. But I don't know, reading that synopsis... I am very interested. So I will be checking that out. That is No Gods for Drowning by Haley Piper. Next up is The Ghost Eaters by Clay McLeod Chapman. For fans of Riley Sager and Paul Tremblay, a terrifying supernatural page turner that explores ghosts, grief, and god complexes. Ever since their on-again, off-again college romance, Aaron hasn't been able to set a single boundary with charismatic but reckless Silas, 
who's been chasing the next big high since graduation. When he texts her to spring him out of rehab, she knows enough is enough. She's ready to start a career, make new friends, and meet a great guy, even if that means cutting Silas off. But when Silas turns up dead from an overdose, Aaron's world falls apart. When Aaron learns that Silas discovered a drug that allowed him to see the dead, she doesn't believe it's real, but agrees to a pill-popping seance to ease her guilt and pain. When she steps back into the real world, she starts to see ghosts from her southern hometown's bloody and brutal past everywhere. Are the effects pharmacological or something more sinister? And will Aaron be able to shut the Pandora's box of horrors she's opened? With propulsive momentum, bone-chilling scares, and dark meditations on the weight of history, this southern horror will make you think twice about opening doors to the unknown. This is coming out from Quirk Books, and as you know, their cover art game is just top-notch. Um, I really enjoyed Whisper Down the Lane, his previous book, so I am quite excited to read this and that synopsis sounds absolutely incredible so i will be picking this up this is the ghost eaters by clay mcleod chapman and let's get into october with marla by jonathan jans every small town has ghosts king's branch has marla a reclusive young woman who lives with her mother in a creepy gothic house marla gorman is the stuff of urban legends some believe she's a prisoner Others claim she's a witch. On the evening of the first murder, Detective Carl Lancaster sees Marla leering at him from her bedroom window. He sees her again at the exact moment a second man is killed. And though Marla was nowhere near either murder site, Carl is convinced she's connected to the crimes. To Carl, Marla is a menace. To social worker Annie Frost, Marla bears a bizarre connection to her past. To Dylan Ellison, a struggling college student, Arla might be the companion for which he's been longing. But none of them understand Marla's true nature. She's about to plunge them, and everyone in King's Branch, into an unspeakable nightmare and teach them the true meaning of terror. I really like Jonathan Jans and I mean, I'm definitely into a small town horror story about a town recluse. Like, come on. Moving on to Loot by Jen Marie Thorne coming out October 2nd. Wicker Man meets final destination in Jennifer Thorne's atmospheric, unsettling folk horror novel about love, duty, and community. On the idyllic island of Loot, every seventh summer, seven people die. No more, no less. Loot and its inhabitants are blessed year after year with good weather, good health, and good fortune. They live a happy, superior life, untouched by the war that rages all around them. So, it's only fair that every seven years, on the day of the tithe, the island's gift is honored. Nina Treadway is new to the day. A Florida girl by birth, she became a lady through marriage to Lord Treadway, whose family has long protected the island. Nina's heard about the day, of course. Heard about the horrific tragedies, the lives lost, but she doesn't believe in it. 
It's all superstitious nonsense. Stories told to keep newcomers at bay and youngsters in line. Then the day begins. And it's a day of nightmares, of grief, of reckoning. But it's also a day of community, of survival, of strength, of love at its most pure and untamed. And when the day ends, Nina and Lute will never be the same. Okay, you know I'm absolutely here for Wicker Man meets Final Destination. I would like to know, is it Christopher Lee, like, 70s singing Wicker Man? Or is it the Nicolas Cage, how to get burned, how to get burned, Wicker Man? I need to know. I I love this. Um, I really like folk horror, and I love this modernization of folk horror. And come on, I'm here for a Final Destination element. So could not be more excited for that. That is Loot by Jennifer Thorne. Next up is The Sacrifice by Rin Chupeco. An island oasis turns deadly when a terrifying legend threatens to kill off visitors one by one in this haunting novel from the highly acclaimed author of The Girl from the Well and The Bone Witch trilogy. Pristine beaches, lush greenery, and perfect weather. The island of Kisapmata would be the vacation destination, if not for the curse. The Philippine locals speak of it in hushed voices and refuse to step foot on the island. They know the lives it has claimed. They won't be next. A Hollywood film crew won't be dissuaded. Legend claims a dreamer god sleeps, waiting to grant unimaginable powers in exchange for eight sacrifices. The producers are determined to document the evidence, and they convince Alon, a local teen, to be their guide. Within minutes of their arrival, a giant sequel appears, revealing a giant balete tree with a mummified corpse entwined in its gnarled branches, and the crew starts seeing strange visions. Alan knows they are falling victim to the island's curse. If Alan can't convince them to leave, there's no telling who will survive, or how much the dreamer god will destroy. I'm very excited. I have this queued up on NetGalley, but if you're looking for spooky YA um, with East Asian folklore, I mean, this could not be more perfect. That is The Sacrifice by Rinchu Peko that is coming out October 3rd. Next up is Such Sharp Teeth by Rachel Harrison. A young woman in need of a transformation finds herself in touch with the animal inside in this gripping, incisive novel from the author of Cackle and the Return. Rory Morris isn't thrilled to be moving back to her hometown, even if it's temporary. There are bad memories there. But her twin sister Scarlet is pregnant, estranged from the baby's father, and needs support, so Rory returns to the place she thought she'd put in her rear view. After a night out at a bar where she runs into an odd, almost flame, she hits a large animal with her car, and when she gets out to investigate, she's attacked. Rory survives, miraculously, but life begins to look and feel different. She's unnaturally strong, with an aversion to silver, and suddenly the moon has her in its thrall. She's changing into someone else, something else maybe even a monster. But does that mean she's putting those close to her in danger or embracing the wildness inside her? Or is embracing the wildness inside of her the key to acceptance? 
This darkly comedic love story is a brilliantly layered portrait of trauma, rage, and vulnerability. Okay, when I heard that Rachel Harrison was working on a werewolf story, you bet your bottom dollar. I was thrilled, positively thrilled. And more exciting than that, this is not the only Rachel Harrison release to look out for this year. So you might hear of another one closer to the end of this episode. But um, absolutely sign me up. That is Such Sharp Teeth by Rachel Harrison. Let's talk about Sign Here by Claudia Lux. This is a darkly humorous, surprisingly poignant, and utterly gripping debut novel about a guy who works in hell, literally, and is on the cusp of a big promotion, if only he can get one more member of the wealthy Harrison family to sell their soul. Peyote Trip has a pretty good gig in the deals department on the fifth floor of hell. Sure, none of the pens work. The coffee machine has been out of order for a century, and the only drink on offer is Jägermeister. But Pei has a plan, and all he needs is one last member of the Harrison family to sell their soul. When the Harrisons retreat to the family lake house for the summer, with their daughter Mickey's precocious new friend Ruth in tow, the opportunity Pei has waited a millennium for might finally be in his grasp. And with the help of his charismatic co-worker, Calamity, he sets a plan in motion. But things aren't always what they seem, on Earth or in Hell. And as old secrets and new dangers scrape away at the Harrison's shiny surface revealing the darkness beneath, everyone must face the consequences of their choices. This is a perfect book if you liked The Good Place and you liked the world building specifically of The Good Place. I had so much fun with this book. This is so far one of my favorites for the year. I think it really rounded out being this dark comedy with, I know it said at the beginning, poignancy, but there were genuinely touching moments. Like this novel had me feeling all kinds of things. I could not put this book down. I absolutely loved it. Um, so yeah, that is Sign Here by Claudia Lux. Next up is The Hollow Kind by Andy Davidson. Andy Davidson's epic horror novel about the spectacular decline of the Redfern family, haunted by an ancient evil. Nellie Gardner is looking for a way out of an abusive marriage when she learns that her long-lost grandfather, August Redfern, has willed her his turpentine estate. She throws everything she can think of in a bag and flees to Georgia with her 11-year-old son Max in tow. It turns out that the estate is a decrepit farmhouse on a thousand acres of old pine forest. But Nellie is thrilled about the chance for a fresh start for her and Max, and a chance for the happy home she never had. So it takes a while to notice the strange scratching in the walls, the faint whispering at night, how the forest is eerily quiet. But Max sees what his mother can't. They're no safer here than they had been in South Carolina. In fact, things might be even worse. There's something wrong with Redfern Hill. Something lurks beneath the soil ancient and hungry, with the power to corrupt hearts and destroy souls. It is the true legacy of Redfern Hill, a kingdom of grief and death, to which Nellie's own blood has granted her the key. 
From the author of The Boatman's Daughter, The Hollow Kind is a jaw-dropping novel about legacy and the horrors that hide in the corners of family history. Andy Davidson gorgeous gothic fable tracing the spectacular fall of the Redfern family will haunt you long after you turn the final page. This has piqued my interest. This sounds like cosmic Southern Gothic horror, and I'm very interested to say the least. I absolutely loved In the Valley of the Sun, which was Andy Davidson's vampire, like Southern Gothic horror novel. Absolutely loved that. So we'll have to check this out. That is The Hollow Kind by Andy Davidson. Let's talk about White Horse by Erica Worth coming out November 1st. Some people are haunted in more ways than one. Heavy metal, ripped jeans, Stephen King novels, and the occasional beer at the White Horse have defined urban Indian Carrie James's life so far. But when her cousin Debbie finds an old family bracelet that once belonged to Carrie's mother, it inadvertently calls up both her mother's ghost and a monstrous entity, and her willful ignorance about her past is no longer sustainable. Haunted by visions of her mother, and hunted by this mysterious creature, Carrie must search for what happened to her mother all those years ago. Her father, permanently disabled from a car crash, can't help her. Her auntie Squeaker seems to know something, but isn't eager to give it all up at once. Debbie's anxious to help, but her controlling husband keeps getting in the way. Carrie's journey toward a truth long denied by both her family and law enforcement forces her to confront her dysfunctional relationships, thoughts about a friend she lost in childhood, and her desire for the one thing she's always wanted, but could never have. First of all, this protagonist sounds cool as hell. And I really like stories about people that have to discover stuff about their past. And with this whole supernatural angle to it, I am excited to read it. I actually just got the galley for this today, so I cannot wait. Also, we could always use a more indigenous horror. So that is White Horse by Erica T. Worth. That'll be coming out November 1st. A short story collection, A Sliver of Darkness by C.J. Tudor, will be coming out November 8th. This debut short story collection from the acclaimed author of The Chalk Man features 10 bone-chilling and mind-bending tales. Time slips, doomsday scenarios, killer butterflies, C.J. Tudor's novels are widely acclaimed for their dark, twisty suspense plots. But with A Sliver of Darkness, she pulls us even further into her dizzying imagination. In Final Course, the world has descended into darkness, but a group of old friends make time for one last dinner party. In Runaway Blues, thwarted love, revenge, and something very nasty stowed in a hatbox converge. In Gloria, a strange girl at a service station endears herself to a cold-hearted killer. But can a leopard really change its spots? And in I'm Not Ted, a case of mistaken identity has unforeseen fatal consequences. Riveting and explosively original, A Sliver of Darkness is C.J. Tudor at her most wicked and uninhibited. Those stories sound really good. I 
I'm very interested in the final course one, the one for one last dinner party. I don't know. I'm really into dinner parties in horror. I have played with the idea of doing that as an episode, but I feel like that's more common in film than it is in literature. I think to the point where it's like the whole point of the book is this dinner party. I am thinking, I guess, of The Dinner by Herman Koch. Anyway, feel free to comment more dinner party horror novels if you have them. I always could use more. Uh, Anyway, but this is about a sliver of darkness by CJ Tudor, her debut short story collection that will be coming out November 8th. And moving into December with Bad Dolls by Rachel Harrison, another short story collection. In this stunning new collection of four horror stories, Bram Stoker Award nominee Rachel Harrison explores her themes of body image, complicated female friendship, heartbreak, and hauntings. Um, I have said before, dolls freak me out, and I think they are an underutilized horror trope. So I am very excited to read this, to say the least, and I told you this was a double Rachel Harrison release year. So there you go. Such sharp teeth and bad dolls from her. And ending this episode with a bit of a stretch, but you guys know that I am trash for the truly devious books. So of course I have to talk about Nine Liars, truly devious number five, coming out December 27th. Stevie Bell solved the case of Truly Devious, and now she's taking her detecting skills abroad when she becomes embroiled in a mystery from 1990s England. Another pulse-pounding and laugh-out-loud standalone mystery from the New York Times bestselling author Maureen Johnson. Senior year at Ellingham Academy for Stevie Bell isn't going well. Her boyfriend David is studying in London. Her friends are obsessed with college applications. With the cold case of the century solved, Stevie's adrift. There's nothing to distract her from the questions pinging around her brain. Questions about college, love, and life in general. Relief comes when David invites Stevie and her friends to join him for study abroad, and his new friend Izzy introduces her to a double murder cold case in 1995. Nine friends from Cambridge University went to a country house, played a drunken game of hide-and-seek. Two were found in the woodshed next day, murdered with an axe. The case was assumed to be a burglary gone wrong, but one of the remaining seven saw something she can't explain. There was no break-in. Someone's lying about what happened in the woodshed. Seven suspects. Two murders. One killer. Still playing a deadly game. As I said before, I love this series so much. I'm honestly just here for all of Stevie's adventures at this point. Um, I will probably just read them in perpetuity. So, I yeah. I'm gonna be reading this. Murder mystery, deadly games, like, let's go, you know? So that is what is coming out this year, 2022. This isn't an exhaustive list. I feel like there's always stuff announced right after I post this episode, like authors start announcing books. It has happened every single time. So I'm sure as the year goes on, there are going to be books that did not get mentioned in this episode or books that I missed it happens. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on TikTok at Books in the Freezer, on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, or you can send us an email at Books in the Freezer at gmail.com. 
show notes for this episode and all previous episodes will be at booksinthefreezer.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are a few ways to do that. You can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash booksinthefreezer. It's three tiers. There's a one, three, and a five dollar level. At the $1 or final girl tier, you get early episode releases, so episodes release on a Sunday instead of Tuesday for everyone else. At the $3 tier, there's stuff like a Patreon group chat on Voxer. And at the $5 level, there are bonus episodes. So far, we're kind of doing a book and adaptation deal. So Laura, who's been a previous guest on the show, came on for the last two. And we did Under the Skin by Michelle Faber and did the 2014 film adaptation starring Scarlett Johansson. And Quincy, who was on the last episode, will be coming on to talk about The Exorcist and then coming on the month after that to talk about the film adaptation. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can head over to patreon.com slash books in the freezer. And there are other perks like movie nights and stuff. So just check that out and see what works for you. You can also support the podcast by using the Amazon link that is in the show notes. Basically, that takes you to Amazon and then whatever you purchase in Amazon, a small percentage of that goes to help the podcast. But you actually don't have to spend any money at all to show your support for the podcast. You know it's huge. Sharing on social media, word of mouth, anything like that is huge to a small podcast like this, or even just taking time to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify anything like that spreading the word is very helpful so a big thank you to all of you who have taken the time to do that already i'm stephanie you can find me on twitter at lady underscore ganya that's spelled l-a-d-y underscore g-a-g-n-o-n or on instagram at that's what she read and that is that's with two a's thank you so much for sitting there and calmly listening to this so i guess it's time i let you go now you've been pretty good See you next time on Books in the Freezer. Mm-hmm.